Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Folks, before we get into the show, wanted to tell you that you could save 15% at sodastick.com by using the promo code PURPLEINSIDER at checkout. That's S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com for your Minnesota sports-inspired hats, hoodies, shirts. Use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER at sodastick.com. to another episode of purple insider matthew collar here um yes fresh back from day three of jury duty and uh it's becoming more and more hopeless so today we spent the entire day waiting to get on a jury of which it did not happen and so i have to show up tomorrow but i'm scheduled to potentially be on a jury tomorrow and i don't know whether i'm going to get out in time for kevin o'connell's press conference that is at four o'clock so we'll see we're bringing it right down to the wire uh the least dramatic thing ever has become dramatic um so on the show today to talk about kevin o'connell's hire among other things including a rumor that has upset the internet um sam monson what's up sam how are you good how's it going uh, i'm bored jury <laughs> duty's boring you get, you get like an out when you tell them that, hey, look, Kevin O'Connell's press conference is tomorrow. I can't I can't be here today. People have brought that up um, because there's, I guess, an episode of 30 Rock where maybe Tina Fey pretends to be Princess Leia and they let her out of jury duty. Yeah, you can't really do that because in Minnesota, I just discovered this this week. You have to be there for two weeks unless you get on a jury and then do the thing. Um, so I'm either there for two whole weeks or I end up on a jury and get out earlier. Um, there is always a possibility that tomorrow I could get out before the press conference and then drive out to TCO Performance Center in time for Kevin O'Connell's press conference. But I'm not 100 percent sure. We'll, we'll still do a show. We'll do a breakdown. I'll watch it. Someone will ask him about Kirk Cousins, everyone. I promise. Mm. Like, I guarantee that that's going to happen. So um, how's things with you? <laughs> You need That's to get uh, Alan Page, surely, can pull some strings, right? He's in the legal profession now, and he knows what the Vikings are all about. Like, surely he can, you know, pick up the phone and spring a guy out from jury duty. Sure. I mean, he, he comes down. He rips open the door. That man has a football press conference to cover. I mean, can you imagine telling the judge that of like, sir, I'd love to be on this jury. I, I look American. That's me. Uh, civic duty would love it. However, there is a coach that's talking. He's only going to do one introductory press conference. I'm sorry, sir. I have to leave. I cannot wait for his response. I almost want to try it just to see what the judge would say. Just to see if you end up in contempt of court for it because of it. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I yeah, that's the thing is that people keep saying, well, just say something terrible and they'll let you out. Like <laughs> it's actually on the record. They record this people. Um, and uh, like you said, I, it's a little intimidating when you're in there with the judge and everything. I don't want to you know, rock any boats, but I will escape eventually the legal system. Um, but let's let's talk about Kevin O'Connell to start out. And then I want to get to your PFF 100 list. Um, because you did the top 101 
players from the 2021 NFL season. So I shouldn't call it the top 100 list. That's where practice squad players fill out who their favorite teammates are and turn it into NFL network. Um, So we'll, we'll get to that, but on the matter of Kevin O'Connell, look at us talking about a different coach and GM, Sam. Yeah. This is fun. I feel like every time that we've ever spoken, it's been about Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman. And it's usually had the same sort of theme of like, well, you know, they kind of do the same stuff over and over and there probably isn't any real route to them winning together, but maybe. So Kevin O'Connell, Quasi Adolfo Mensa, what do you think? Yeah, I like it. I mean, it's tough to be too harsh on the Rick Spielman, Mike Zimmer era, right? Because in theory, everybody there was good at their job. It's just that they never, they weren't better than good. And together it didn't magnify that into something different. It just made you three lots, you know, the most important three people in the building, the GM, the head coach and the quarterback, they're all good, but none of them are great. And together they didn't magnify each other's strengths. So they just became this above average franchise, but trapped in that world of above average where it, there's no pathway from that to anything special. Cause ultimately everybody wants a Super Bowl trophy and there's there's basically no way of going from where they were to that unless you get exceptionally lucky and kind of put it all together for one year and go on a run and you could argue 2017 was that year and they didn't get there so the chance of that happening again we're just getting smaller and smaller ultimately you make the move and you say look forget it it's it's thank you for your service but it's not working anymore we're going in a different direction um so i think the one thing you want to get out of that when you have that opportunity for a hard break and a reset and just go in a different direction is ensuring that you are actually going in a different direction, right? And and getting some guys in that are very different from the people that just left the building. And, you know, the Vikings had, there were, there were people on the market that would have represented a more conservative, you know, same old type of approach. And they didn't go that way. They went with two guys that are much more radically, sort of new world in today's NFL, I think that has to be exciting. It doesn't mean it's going to be a a rip-roaring success right off the bat, but at least this is pointing in a different direction from the avenue we knew wasn't working. All right. From a um, PFF guy perspective, I mean, if you could paint the picture of what a new world coach thinks about stuff, what because we don't know yet we got to listen to him talk and then after he talks and says all the right things then we got to watch him actually do things and then we got to study those things so it'll be a while before we really get a feel for what kevin o'connell is as a coach but if you were laying it out for him if you were saying look we study this stuff here's the the best most modern things you can do that doesn't mean you'll win the super bowl in 2022 because we'll talk about the roster and how few players for the vikings are on your list of 101 in the nfl um but 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 in order to set the stage for him that where let's say there were indicators that you could see okay this guy really is kind of on the cutting edge like what would those be well, I think the first thing is he's coming from an offensive system that we know works, right? Not just in Los Angeles, but the McVeigh coaching tree is starting to bear fruit. And it was mocked a couple of years ago, right? When everybody that had ever had a cup of coffee with Sean McVeigh was getting a head coaching job. All of a sudden, all those guys make up like most of the, the business end of the postseason. Like all of those guys were having success this year. And so you can see that that system is functioning and is successful and has 
various different iterations and, and evolutions depending on which guy is operating it. And I think O'Connell coming from that system is a good thing in today's NFL. Secondly, you you talk to some people and they say he's smart, like he's a good coach. He knows what he's doing. You know, you there are people in the NFL for whom if you ask those questions, you wouldn't hear that back. You know, they would be like, yeah, I mean, he's fine. Right. He's he's OK. He's done a good job. But, you know, you, you hear people talk about him and they are encouraged and they do say good things. So I think that's a an important thing, even if it's much more intangible and a little bit behind the scenes and smoke and mirrors and off the record and all that kind of stuff. Um, I guess the single biggest thing for coaches right now is like, what is their attitude to this new wave of information that's being bombarded their way, right? Where do they stand on fourth down decisions and analytics as a general concept? Like analytics, I think is applied as a word much too broadly. And we need to, most of the time, I think you need to dial down or drill down deeper into what it is you're actually talking about. Like analytics is just this umbrella term for any information that's thrown your way. But, you know, do you have a guy who deals with game flow and fourth down decisions and clock management and all that kind of stuff? And is he in your ear? Um, you know, do you uh, generally advocate the approach of going for it on fourth down and, and two point conversions and those kinds of things? Um, are you using data and numbers and information behind the scenes to power the things that we think of as just typical the way the world works right like the one of the interesting things about the rams is this all-in approach that they've used uh, and a kind of stars and scrubs approach that eric has been uh, calling it it only works if those stars stay healthy right if those guys all get injured every year the whole thing falls to pieces and the rams in the last few years have been really, really good at avoiding injuries. Um, okay, they had Robert Woods and OBJ got hurt in the Super Bowl, but generally speaking, they've been one of the least injured teams in the NFL for a period of time now that starts to suggest it isn't just luck and variance, right? And we don't know what they're doing that might prompt that, but it, we don't know what kind of information or use they have with the you know load management and player tracking and all that kind of stuff that goes on. So again, like, are you using this stuff to the, the, the fullest extent you can to potentially get an edge here? And I think ultimately that's it is there's 15 different small ways that head coaches now can be gaining a little edge relative to old school, you know, uh, the old way things used to be done. And how much of them are you using? You know, how... How many of these ways of, of trying to steal an edge are you willing to volunteer and kind of acknowledge that, yeah, we are hip deep with this stuff? It also feels like when we talk about edges that coaches can get, um, certainly teams being more aggressive on fourth down is uh, going to work in terms of an edge because the NFL is still not there yet. We saw an increase, but it's not like they're absolutely nailing it. Um, they are, The Vikings are going to go from one of the analytics sites ranked Mike Zimmer 29th when it came to in-game decision-making, which doesn't surprise you. So if you go from 29th even to top 10, that's points on the board right there uh, in terms of decisions. They could probably lean more into it. I don't expect that Kevin O'Connell is going to lead the revolution necessarily. Like, it's Madden time, baby. Let's go. We're going for it on our own 15-yard line because there is a case to do that sometimes. But anyway, um, I, also, I do think that having a player's coach 
is an edge in the NFL now. And I think it's in the right way. Like you absolutely have to have a leader. You have to have someone who could turn it on and who can be tough at the right times. But as we ever increase player empowerment, like this McVay making the Odell Beckham thing work saved their season. If they don't have Robert Woods and it's that dude who dropped the ball in the Super Bowl, I mean, that's a huge gap. Instead, Odell Beckham is mossing a dude in the Super Bowl, which underrated catch. The corner gets his hand in between Odell yeah. Beckham's arms. Perfect technique to knock the ball out, and he grabs onto it and holds it for a touchdown because he's still really good. But that was the place that, that he wanted to be, and you made it work with him. And, and it it does draw back with the Zimmer thing to Stefan Diggs being a pivot point in his entire tenure with Minnesota that he could not connect with the players that Diggs forced his way out because of it. Like those things not happening. Um, I, I think is an, an edge that isn't like an analytics edge that you could put a finger on, but I think it is an edge. Yeah. And, and just intuitively, you know, Quasi has come from this world of um, finance and then analytics and, and those kinds of things. It seems unlikely that he would, his first order of business would be to sign a guy who is vehemently against that kind of stuff, right? To just be like, all right, we're bringing in this guy, even though he hates everything I stand for. And, you know, we're going to make it work anyway, because he's the best guy for the job. Just intuitively, it would seem likely that by virtue of the fact that he is crazy selection, Kevin O'Connell is at least amenable to all of this stuff that most progressive types of organizations are now trying to push. Right. Uh, and so what he says about analytics will be kind of interesting because Quasi Adafo Mensa's first press conference was trying to explain to everyone that he also knows about football and then mostly about his background. So we haven't heard any comments from anyone about Kirk and the you know future of the quarterback position, how they're actually going to apply analytics. We'll see if we get some answers on that. Uh, but I have to ask you about the Deshaun Watson thing. Now, I want to say first that if you're going to put in an article tease on Twitter, something that makes it look like Deshaun Watson is going to the Vikings inside of your article should really say that and not just, Oh, the Vikings are another team that could be a thing like, come on, man. Uh, but it set the internet ablaze on uh, Wednesday. And so let me get your thoughts on the idea of the Vikings trying to get Deshaun Watson. Uh, I have a very hard time talking about Deshaun Watson, the football player, right? Because, you know, we're in this world, we're in this holding pattern where until the legal process does something, we, we, we're in limbo, right? Deshaun Watson is literally kind of off to the side on his own, doing nothing while his own team plays football around him and acknowledges that he's just not part of the franchise right now while we sort this out. Um, in this in this country, there's a you'll, you'll know this as a, a jury prospective jury member. But, you know, the presumption of innocence, right? Innocent until proven guilty. That being said, there's a point at which like the sheer volume of accusations, the 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 balance of probabilities suggests that at least one of them, there's something to it. Right. So as much as we have to presume that Deshaun Watson is innocent until he's found guilty of something. The fact that there's 22 civil lawsuits and what is it, 10 criminal suits against him at this point, I'm kind of okay with people assuming there's something sketchy there. At which point, if there's anything to any of this stuff, you don't want that guy as your quarterback. Sure, he'll make your team better because he's a really good quarterback, but 
if any of these things are true, he's a pretty reprehensible human being. And that that whole dichotomy of just this discussion is extremely awkward to navigate because, yeah, if Deshaun Watson was entirely um, <laughs> lawsuit free and therefore actually innocent, you would absolutely want to bring him in. Right. And if you had any way of achieving that, you would make whatever trade was necessary to make that happen. But that's not the situation we're dealing with. We're we're talking about a guy who has a multiple dozen lawsuits hanging over his head, has had that for an extended period of time. There's no sign of it going anywhere anytime soon, at which point I still don't see how anybody can trade anything significant for him as long as that's the situation. And everyone, every sort of every time a trade discussion comes up, there's always it, it all it always reads like it's come from his agent, you know? And it's like, hey, team X has done plenty of homework and are very confident that they can either make all this go away or that you know, that he will be vindicated and blah, blah, blah. And they'd be willing to trade whatever if that happens. It's like, okay, that might be true. Or it might be every now and again, his agent throws out one of these stories to keep his name in the paper or whatever. And that's kind of what it feels like all of these things are at the moment. Hey, everybody, I've been making my meals from HelloFresh. And I have to tell you, I cannot make enough of these things. And if I can make them, literally anyone can. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip the trips to the grocery store. Count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. One of the nice things for me as I'm grinding the football tape is that HelloFresh Cuts back on the time spent in the kitchen. Meals are ready in around 30 minutes or less. Plus, their quick and easy meal options, including 20-minute recipes, low prep, easy cleanup. They provide an even faster route to putting food on the table. You guys know we love stats on the show. How about this one? HelloFresh is 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal of the same quality. And you can save on average over $65 per month when you order HelloFresh instead of grocery shopping. That's more money to put toward your NFL draft guides. How about that? Uh, we've been cooking HelloFresh meals here in the house for the last couple of weeks. Just made the Parmesan chicken the other night, and uh, it's a game changer, guys. So go to HelloFresh.com. That's HelloFresh.com slash Insider16. HelloFresh.com slash Insider16. Use the code Insider16 for up to 16 meals for free and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you suggesting that NFL insiders would carry the water for agents? I never, I just, you know, especially players who have been accused of certain heinous things, <clears throat> Adam Schefter and Delvin cook situation. Uh, there was uh, there was one tweet that came out recently where, um, you know, it concluded with something like Vic Fangio is not going to take a job this year. He's going to spend a year off and then return next year where he'll be like the hottest defensive coordinator candidate available. And Steve texted me that and he was like, from the desk of Vic Fangio. 
Yeah, I mean, my favorite was Kellen Mond is not playing because the team is keenly aware that uh, rookies struggle. Like, mm. uh, no, that's not why he's not playing. Maybe you should ask your ESPN reporter that's actually here. But anyway, uh, that could be a rant for the entire show. On the matter of Deshaun Watson, this is not he said, she said. It's he said, she said, she said, she said. I mean, it's right. like it is It is really, I mean, the the largest scale group of accusations against the pro athlete of all time. Like this is Bill Cosby level stuff that is happening to Deshaun to Watson. And think about how good at football he is and his team will not play him and wants nothing to do with him. And his team is sketchy as hell. And then think about like, right. Even they are like, no, 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 we're not going to do this. He also comes along with a $40 million cap hit. I mean, how do you even put together a trade package for I, someone who brings 22 lawsuits with them that could explode at any time? And the NFL is hilarious, just sitting off to the side being like, oh, no, I don't, you know, I don't want to do anything about that. Civil matter. Like, okay, warden Roger Goodell. I mean, but the, I mean, like, what is anybody supposed to figure out here? You're, oh, three first rounders. Is that what you want for the guy who, who knows if he can play as soon as he even gets here? I mean, wasn't that the thing with Miami that they wanted either like assurances that he was going to play or some sort of compensation if he suddenly got suspended for life? I mean, how do you trade for a guy where you literally do not know the limits of the penalties that this person could face. And as you said, they've hid behind the civil thing, but that doesn't have to exist forever either. Let's say somehow he miraculously clears this all up. Even then you're talking about bringing someone in with this in their past that could also resurface at any time, because that's not something that someone just normally gets accused of doing. Yeah. I've, I've never understood how there can possibly be a sensible trade done with these circumstances if houston wants anything in return for him there's no way this trade can get done until whatever happens in the legal process works its way out and we know what we're dealing with right because the problem is not just the number and all this it's like the spectrum of punishments or, or repercussions range from nothing right he gets away with all of it and he's innocent and we're free to move on to like jail time, right? Significant jail time. Like that's the spectrum we're dealing with here. How can you possibly put together a package that encompasses that entire spectrum of outcomes? It's impossible. So maybe if it was a case of like, hey, the Texans just want rid of him, you know, and a conditional seventh round pick would get it. But like they're talking, no, he is a franchise quarterback. We're treating it as if this nothing is happening. So it's going to take three first round picks and whatever else to make any kind of deal done. At that point, no deal is happening, right? Because you nobody can possibly trade that with the current situation. Um, a neighbor of mine like actually ran the numbers in terms of the what what number of cases you need to have brought against you before the probabilities are, is more likely than not that one of them is true. And he put the number the over under at eight. So <laughs> we're at twenty two, and I don't know if you want to double count the criminal ones, but let's say twenty two is a minimum. We are way past the point where your your default assumption should be he probably did something. And the other thing is, and this gets even trickier as I was reading about it today, because there's not just sexual assault allegations. It's also like coercion and threats and everything else. And then there's 
potential payoff stuff that the FBI got involved with. Like, this is not, I, I hate to call it run of the mill, but like this, this isn't even, and Roethlisberger's stuff was on a pretty high scale of yuck. And it's like be way beyond that. And so I don't know what you're supposed to do with it. I agree with you that it seems like there are people on his side that want you to think Deshaun Watson is playing in the NFL next year. It's just very hard for me to see him actually playing there, much less the Vikings trading for him. The other thing is, too, the Vikings have been very much on this empower women type of thing as an ownership, which I mean is is very, very positive, like women in football. And, uh, one of the people who was on their GM search party, uh, is, is one of their top people. I mean, like they want that. How can you do that? And then bring in Deshaun Watson. Like, how can you say like, yes, we're the progressive team that is pushing women forward in our front office and Kelly Klein, who people know now works for the Denver Broncos. They were super proud of her as they should be. And like, okay, we're developing women in our front office and our coaching staffs and things like that. But Hey, here's the Sean Watson in your building. Like what? So I, I don't see it. I don't see any chance that that happens. The Vikings are always able to surprise me at times, but um, I just can't see it. So what do you think happens at quarterback for the Vikings? Um, I think there's a pretty good chance that Kirk Cousins is their starter day one and probably plays the majority, if not all of next season. I think they, they're in a situation where they they're stuck with them anyway. Right. And they can, um, they can use that as a way to, to potentially draft a guy and, develop him from from the bench in a way that you know Kellen Mond kind of was supposed to be last year but instead of a third round pick a guy that you know maybe there's some talent there let's actually spend a high first round you know a first round pick on this and see what we can get done and this is an interesting year for it because it's not a great group of first round quarterbacks there are it's not this year it's not like last year right where at one point we were talking about maybe five in the first six picks it's not going to be like that. You might still get a guy go in the first six picks because that's the nature of the NFL and how valuable the quarterback position is. But I think you're going to see a few of these guys drafted in the low to the mid first round somewhere. And when that happens, there's a reason for it. And a lot of those guys are, are less likely to pan out than the high end prospects. But I think those are actually good guys to have the flexibility to sit down for a year and, red shirt essentially right like a guy who has tools and the ability to be a starting quarterback in the nfl but does need work and you actually have the rare opportunity to to go about doing that for an entire year the game plan from day one will be this guy does not play and can spend the entire time developing and if you think about a guy like malik willis from liberty i think he's the perfect example that that is somebody who from this draft class has genuine special talent. His arm is insane. His athleticism is crazy. He's got real skills to the point where you could picture him putting it all together and being an elite NFL quarterback, not just, you know, a viable starter. But I don't know if I would want him starting day one. There's a lot that needs to happen before he is a high-end NFL starter. And, you know, he might get drafted by somebody and they need a quarterback and they throw him in day one and who will see? He'll sink or swim. But if he was drafted by a team like the Vikings, they can sit him behind Kirk Cousins. And it doesn't have to be a, you know, a mentor-protege relationship. Just you simply do not need to worry about playing this year. It's not on your table. Somebody is going to be in this building 
teaching you from the ground up a lot like the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson. Um, and you know, they, from the, from day one, they essentially had this thing. They had a guy assigned to Lamar Jackson, coaching him up so that in the future he could take over as a starter. And they were developing the Lamar Jackson playbook, like behind the scenes in the basement, while the real playbook was being used by Joe Flacco, you know, until he reached the end. And then as soon as they ended up needing to go to Lamar Jackson, they just went, right, let's toss this one. Let's bring out the Lamar playbook and we're ready to go. I think you can do that with a guy like Malik Willis or, you know, one of these other quarterbacks and Kirk Cousins gives you that flexibility and just the, the ability to take some bullets for a year while you, you know, work on a future plan. So the Malik Willis thing, I don't know which quarterback is going to work out. Nobody ever does. You know, we think a lot of different things and then it doesn't play out that way, but it's such a good comparison with Lamar Jackson because the NFL evaluated Lamar Jackson 32nd and they just didn't think that his throwing was going to translate or whatever. They thought, Oh, he's a project. He's too far away. And then his running was so significant and his throwing was better than they thought. And then like, boom, the guy is the MVP in the second year. There's only one player that has that vibe and that's Malik Willis. And that's why like the draft Malik Willis sit him, bring him in for the next year just makes so much sense in my mind. I also wonder if the NFL is going to look at it and go, Oh yes, Malik Willis, lots of problems. Can't play anytime soon. Cause we draft 10th, <laughs> right? You know, it's like the leaks come out. He's not ready. Uh, maybe he's got character problems. I, I saw in his interview that he likes playing chess. Well, you know, he's too obsessed with the chess <laughs> app. We can draw draft him high. You know, they always come up with some reason, but the Vikings being there at 12th, and a lot of the draft analysts think it's not going to happen like in the top 10 with a quarterback. It just sort of lays it out for you don't have to do a Trey Lance trade to get a Trey Lance type of prospect who's very raw, incredibly athletic, dynamic. I mean, the all these things kind of align for me. The one thing, though, is if you're keeping Cousins, his contract is gigantic, $45 million deal. You have to either do something with that or you have to extend him, which I don't think is a really good option. They've been fiddling with contracts for too long that have caused you know void years, dead cap. I don't think that's a good idea. That's why it's always made more sense to me to deal Kirk Cousins to a QB needy team, even if you have to take back some cash and get somebody like Gardner Minshew or Marcus Mariota to be your bridge quarterback. Because I think that the difference between those guys and Cousins with Justin Jefferson Adam Thielen, Irv Smith coming back, a running game. Like, I don't know how big it is. I don't know if it's a gigantic ocean-sized gap for a bridge quarterback, except for one of them could get you a first or second round draft pick back in a trade. Yeah, because of that, though, I've always wondered what the trade market for Kirk Cousins would be, right? For one, I don't think there are that many quarterback desperate teams. Now there's a couple, so it's not like there's no market. Um, but there aren't many. It's not like a giant bidding war for a guy like that. Secondly, I think we're if the one thing we're kind of learning in recent years, it's that you need that guy that has the ability to be special for even if it's only for a period of time, right? A guy that can do the Matthew Stafford run in the postseason and be the reason you win a Super Bowl, even if he's not necessarily the reason you get to the postseason uh, seating position in the first place. I don't know how many people look at Kirk Cousins and think he's that guy. So if you're a team that has a desperate need of quarterback, like a, a Denver or a Washington or whatever, are you looking at Kirk Cousins and saying, all right, if we 
take on a big contract and we deal a first round pick or whatever for Kirk Cousins, he's that big of an upgrade over what we have. And he's a significant upgrade over Taylor Heineke or Ryan Fitzpatrick or in Denver, Teddy Bridgewater. But is it enough that it's propelling you from like nowhere to a Super Bowl championship? Probably not. And particularly when you compare it next to the the solution that you just made for the Vikings, which is, well, why wouldn't we just get a Gardner Minshew and pay him a 40th of the price, right? Like that's the decision I think that you're battling against for a team if you're trying to trade him. Basically, their real hope is that, hey, Carolina desperately needs a quarterback and they are probably coaching their last year if they can't figure out something and go in the right direction. That might be the one team in the NFL that is desperate enough to just do anything to make that move happen. And they are they have a pretty high draft pick. I think they're six overall, something like that. They already have a ton of money tied up in Sam Darnold because they picked up his fifth-year option. You would almost certainly need to have to eat a chunk of that deal just to make them even viable. But that might be the one team that's desperate enough to throw the kind of draft capital at you that would make you do it. Folks, support for Purple Insider is brought to you by Manscaped. They are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools, and they recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle Performance Package. Four million men have trusted Manscaped, and you can check out their exclusive offer for 20% off and free shipping with the code 20insider at manscaped.com. Manscaped sent me the performance package and I could say that it's a game changer, especially when it comes to their nose and eyebrow hair trimmer called the Weed Whacker. I'm a unibrow guy, so I need to keep that in check for all the YouTube videos and streams that we do. You've probably also heard of the lawnmower as well, and they've come out with a 4.0 version, which is waterproof. It has an LED light and advanced skin safe technology, so you don't have to worry about any nicks or cuts. Again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code 20insider. That's 20insider at manscaped.com. 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. The code 20insider. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Okay, real quick. You throw me a team, I'll make a Kirk argument for him. Go ahead. QB needy team, I'll do it. I can do it with anybody. Go ahead. <laughs> Uh, well, all right. Pick one of those two. We mentioned that the Washington or Tampa Bay go for Tampa Bay. Oh, Tampa Bay is easy. Kyle Trask. Is that what you're doing? Yeah. Is that what you're doing? Bruce Arians, you are 70 years old and you have elite wide receivers, a tremendous offensive line, a defense that is built up. Todd Bowles is coming back. Hopefully he doesn't, uh, run the same play he ran against the Rams at the end. But other than that, Todd Bowles has done a tremendous job. The defense is pretty stacked. Everybody got hurt on your team last year and you still made it that far. If you stay a little healthier with a little less quarterback play, but look, Mike Zimmer didn't believe in, in Kirk cousins. You are Mr. No risk it. No biscuit risk it with Kirk cousins and you will succeed, Bruce Arians, for the price of a first-round pick, but you're 70. You won't even live to see the player be good. You think that Bruce Arians is going to hitch his wagon to Kirk Cousins and be fine with that? They're not similar. I, <laughs> I read Bruce Arians' book. They're not similar. No. no. Uh, their personalities are not. However, if you're Bruce Arians, and I mean, you're looking around, what are my options? So, okay, like if Kyler Murray randomly becomes available, you trade for Kyler Murray, but – 
I mean, how many other quarterbacks have good deep ball numbers and accuracy enough offensive systems to be able to adjust to a new one? Like there aren't that many that are out there that like, is Jimmy Garoppolo his guy? Probably not. He's probably not really as accurate as Kirk cousins. I don't know. I mean, I, I can't think of like how many options are so much better. Now, if Jeff George was around our guy, that's a Bruce Arians quarterback, but, yes. but really like, is there a better quarterback option if he doesn't want to develop one to step into that spot? No, I mean, this is the thing with Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins is that he's a really good quarterback um, and there are many better options than him, period, but he's not good enough. Um, and we've kind of seen that in the last few years that it's, it's a little bit, unless you're of the opinion that Kirk Cousins in a better environment can have a Matthew Stafford kind of year, by which I mean uh, have better production than he's ever had in the past and be capable of going, be capable of being the missing piece that takes a good team to somewhere different. Like, unless you're of that opinion, then any other team is kind of coming to the same conclusion that Minnesota is, which is as good as he is, it's not good enough given the money that we're going to have to pay him for us to want to hitch the offense to that guy. And if the Vikings are, are wanting to move on, then it's not a great endorsement for any team wanting to take that on. You know what I mean? Because they don't have any better options either. Okay, one more. Do one more. One more QB needy team, and I'll talk you into it. Uh, who we got? Uh, let's go with the Giants. Let's assume that Daniel Jones is not all that. If Brian Dayball is going for Kirk Cousins. Okay, Brian, look. Look what you did with Josh Allen. All you did was play to the quarterback strengths. They haven't done that in Minnesota. They kind of have, but I'm talking into it. Uh, they haven't done that enough with Minnesota. Daniel Jones is a turnover machine. Look at his numbers. I know he's got some athleticism and Dave Gettleman loved him, but do you want to hitch your wagon to that guy? I mean, look, also, if he's any good, you have to pay him. You already have to pay Kirk. They have Kenny Galladay. You've got Saquon Barkley. You've got weapons. You've been drafting offensive linemen. This is a plug-and-play situation. And think about if Daniel Jones isn't good and you force these New York Giant fans through another year of horror. It has been horror for how many years you have not Dear Giants, been anywhere close to the playoffs since the time Odell Beckham and his friends were partying on the boat. That was the last time that your team was even slightly relevant and you got blown out in the first round of the playoffs. You need a quarterback who can get you in the hunt graphic, who can maximize some of these playmakers like he did with Justin Jefferson. Look at look at the numbers. Look at how he threw to Justin Jefferson. Great idea, Giants. Go for it. Be relevant again. Ah. Huh? Kirk Cousins in the uh, the New York media market. I'm here oh, for it. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, okay. So let's let's do this. I talked to you into all the teams. Um, I, I've been practicing this. So uh, you, you did the top 101 players, and my natural reaction to this was to do Control F, as every mm. probably every fan pulls up your list and sees how many is on their team. Uh, but I did the same because it, I wanted a little thought experiment here that. I bet the winning teams have more on the top 101 than the Vikings who had two Justin Jefferson and Kirk cousins. I mean, what does that say about where the roster is now that they only have two players on this list? Um, so did you, did you like run that through though to the, to its conclusion? Did you check that out? You know, in terms of cross-referencing that versus good teams and how many players they had on the list. I searched Rams. There okay. are more. The Rams have a right <laughs> tackle on there. Yeah, but the Rams are kind of designed that way, right? Where they yeah. have five or six guys that are superstars and everybody else isn't very good. 
I found over the years that it doesn't necessarily work like that, that there are good teams that just happen to have a bunch of guys where they're really strong, like players five through 15 on the roster. Um, and they might not have the superstars that other teams do, but they have a way broader collection of depth and kind of quality throughout their starters. Um, and it's not necessarily a kind of one-to-one thing. So, but I, I do think generally that the Vikings roster, I mean, this is not a secret, right? The Minnesota Vikings roster has eroded over the last few years and they're not as strong as they were in seasons past. And, you know, there's a few guys I think that are young and potentially exciting moving forward and are part of the the solution, not the problem that haven't necessarily got there yet. Like Christian Darasaw, I think was was very encouraging as a rookie given the the offensive lineman that the Vikings have had in recent years. He came in, you know, immediately looked different just in terms of how he moves, how he's able to live with uh, pass rushers, that kind of thing. Um, but you could see there was some, you know, he was raw. He wasn't quite as up to speed as, as uh, you know, truly elite left tackles yet. So Darisol is not going to appear in the list, but I think he would be a guy that you'd look at and you say, okay, he could be really good next year. You know, in year two, offensive linemen take a little bit of time to develop. Guys like Danell Hunter, you know, injured again. We didn't get to see how much of an impact he would make. Um, but yeah, they've a lot of their great players, the guys that are, you know, the best players they've had in the last decade, guys like Harrison Smith, they were still good, but they weren't as good as they've been in the past. And that kind of takes them off the list. What what is your thought about what happened with Dalvin Cook and his grade this year? Um, I thought it was uh injury. They didn't have their run game coordinator from years past Rick Dennison, who is, um, you know, on the Aaron Rodgers side of things. And you can't play if you're a coach like that, but um, a a good run game coordinator for a very long time in the NFL. I thought that that hurt them, but I also wonder if there's any markers there for you of, uh Oh, Delvin cook is suddenly almost 28 years old. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's always a, a concern with running backs, right? That just the sheer volume, not just of carries and touches and workload and all that kind of thing, but general attrition with injuries, you know, it's not necessarily one in the same. There is that um, sort of 1500 carry mark, which when a running back exceeds that in the NFL, that guy's almost certainly destined for a decline, but there's also um, like how much have you been injured in the past? Like those are not things that are necessarily, directly connected there there's also you can have under that 1500 carry mark but if you've been banged up and if you've been having various bits of your body knocked out of alignment and knocked back in again or you know staple back in again under the the surgery knife it can change how you're able to perform i think we saw with dalvin cook at times this year he wasn't the same guy he'd been and he was battling through some some pretty nasty injuries and still looks explosive still looks talented but wasn't quite the same guy he was when he was at the very peak of his powers the, the year before uh, or the last couple of years. So I wouldn't write him off or anything yet, but I would say that was a, a rough year for Dalvin Cook just in terms of just physically getting through it. Yeah, and uh, start out the season, the first couple of games, looks like he's got the burst, and this has happened really almost every season, that by the end, the yards per carry goes down, the yards after contact goes down, and that'll be something I'll be interested to find out with Kevin O'Connell is just how much he's going to lean on Delvin Cook, assuming that Delvin Cook is here. Like They could get into the meetings and decide they don't want 
to Delvin Cook and they're going to move on from him or something. But I think that's unlikely. I think they want to give whoever is playing quarterback as much opportunity to succeed this year as they can. Give me, before I let you go, a player on the top 101 from 2021 who will be much higher in 2022. I'll give you mine while you think. Uh, I, I did a control F on Kyle Pitts to see where he was. Mm. And uh, he's toward, you know, the, the back end of it. It's still very good to be on the list. But I feel like what he did this year, immediately stepping in at the tight end position or this freaky hybrid wide receiver, that's only going to get better for him. I worry about Matt Ryan just like having no arm to throw him the football. Yeah. But but I, I mean, if you can do that as a rookie tight end in the NFL, um, I'm keeping an eye on you. I'm also curious what his ceiling is um, because he's like, he's a tight end in name only at this point. Like they bring him in and very quickly it became apparent that, you know what, we don't actually have any receivers. So you're, you're basically going to need to be the ex receiver. Um, and yeah, you can line up as a tight end, you know, every now and again, but basically you have to replace Julio Jones this year. And he did a pretty good job of that, but, and, and you know, I'm, I don't want to completely contradict myself because I said at, at draft time that, if you told me that Kyle Pitts was just a wide receiver and you just sort of drew you, all you had to go on was his tape at, lined up at receiver in college, as opposed to tight end, I would have drafted him as the first receiver in that draft. I, I would have taken him, you know, one ahead of Jamar chase. And that would have been number two. Like he's that talented. Um, but it is something he hasn't necessarily done full time before. It is a different world in the NFL. And as much as he's physically freaky, he doesn't quite have that true elite wide receiver burst. It's a different speed, right? It's the reason that Vernon Davis didn't just get moved to wide receiver, even though he ran a four, three, it's a different type of immediate quickness and short area movement skills that I'm not sure Pitts quite has to be that one true X wide receiver, as opposed to a sort of hybrid or a tight end. And they, they kind of need him to be that guy right now. So that would be my one concern about whether a, as you said, I don't know if Matt Ryan can get it done for him anymore, but B, you know, if he has quite that skill set, if that's the the route they're going to go down with him and, and basically try and move him into that type of player, uh, two guys, I think that are good calls to move up next year. One Patrick Mahomes, because he had quite a crappy season relative for his standards and checks in at number 69, nice. Patrick you know, Patrick Mahomes is a top five player in the NFL in any given season. And I would assume next year he bounces back to something along those lines. The other one, though, is uh, Panay Sewell, who finished at 66 for the Detroit Lions. And, you know, it, we had a really interesting season because um, he played left tackle to begin with. And this was after looking disastrous in preseason at right tackle. Like he'd never played there before. Like he had no idea what he was doing. Like he was counting steps on his sets, all those kinds of things. You're like, wow, that guy, I'm not sure he can play year one as a right tackle. He ends up having to start at left tackle because, um, you know, Eric Decker goes down. Sewell plays there, plays pretty well. And then Decker comes back. So we kick Sewell back to right tackle, even though he's playing well. And he actually, I think if anything got even better at right tackle. So, I, a, you have to be encouraged that he played extremely well on both sides of the line as a rookie. B, again, offensive linemen take a little bit of time typically to, to get up to speed. They usually don't just dominate from day one. Tristan Wirfs and Rashawn Slater are kind of breaking that a little bit. But if Sewell is this good year one, I would 
be pretty confident he can be very good in year two and, and jump right up that list. Yeah, Slater was going to be another pick of mine too because of how he stepped right in. But Sewell in the ceiling is pretty ridiculous. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go here. Don't sleep on the Lions. Don't sleep on the Lions taking a, a big step. I'm not saying they're gonna win the Super Bowl, but that that they have accumulated some talent in that last draft with a a tackle and a receiver, and you add a few other guys like that, they could be fairly competitive next year. So that's kind of like my, my two hot takes of the right. The season is over. Let me throw out some hot takes because people forget about them by next year is chargers for the super bowl and don't <laughs> sleep on the lines. Chargers for the super bowl every off season. Yeah. Isn't um, it right? Like you have to do it, but the cap space and Justin Herbert, do you have, do you have one? We will wrap on that. Who is your pick for next year's super bowl? Um, Pick for next year's super bowl. I, I don't think – I mean, honestly, Buffalo is the team that should be there. They should have got there this year. They set this team up to beat Kansas City. They were 13 seconds away from doing it, and they shot themselves in the foot a few times. Um, I think they should be favorites to come out of the AFC again next year. The problem is the AFC is just such a murderer's row at this point. You're actually – if you're looking for chances and Super Bowl odds, you're way better off just finding the good team in the NFC, which at this point is Green Bay and saying the chances are they're going to be the last person standing by the end of the year. Let's go with them. Yeah. If, uh, if Rogers is back, of course, yeah. uh, which we'll see. Well, um, it'll be interesting. May, you know, back in the day, the bills added James Lofton and that was what got them over the top. So maybe they're one, uh, one more receiver away to go along with Stefan Diggs. Um, Sam, always fun, man. Go check out the, the list and read the list. Don't just control F it. Um, <laughs> highlighting the top 101 players for the NFL season. It's right in the middle of PFF.com. As always, uh, everyone knows you do tremendous work and where to find you on Twitter, so I don't have to give those things. But I always appreciate you taking the time to jump on and uh, talk a little Vikings. Thanks, man. Anytime, buddy. Thanks.